Welcome to another edition of Burvey Sports Block with your host, Mike Burvey. Today we will be discussing the Houston Astros and some of the ramifications of their sign-stealing scandals back in 2017. It's crazy how that just came out in November, but then again, nobody knew about it supposedly until the whistleblower came out. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I'll give my thoughts on it. I'd love to hear anybody else's thoughts on it as well, especially you Astros fans. If there's anybody out there that listens that's an Astros fan. Um, I will also discuss the NBA All-Star Game and the All-Star Week in general. I know there's a little bit of controversy during the dunk contest, and there's been some mixed feelings about how the All-Star Game played out and concluded in general. So you'll hear my thoughts on that. As always, I'll do my State of Iowa address, and I will close this week talking about the Colorado Avalanche and how their latest game in the stadium series was kind of a flop and a bad look for them and the NHL in general. So let's get to it. I think at this point, it's pretty clear that everyone and their dog knows about what happened with the Houston Astros and their sign-stealing schemes in 2017 and maybe even the years prior. And that's kind of how they ended up winning the World Series, let's be honest. It's definitely interesting because... Um, baseball isn't fully back yet, and teams only just started reporting back for pitchers and catchers, but the Astros have definitely been on the map since about November, uh, when former Astros pitcher Mike Byers was claimed to be the whistleblower in letting the world know what the Astros had done wrong and how they actually ended up achieving that World Series title in 2017, making it tainted, in essence. And since then, and more recently, teams and players have started to come out and voice their own opinions and thoughts on the matter after they reported back for pitchers and catchers and getting back in the mode for spring training when players are showing up for their teams. One such instance is Cody Bellinger claiming that the Astros stole the World Series ring from the Dodgers that year, and I believe it was George Springer ended up stealing the AL MVP from Aaron Judge, who really hasn't been as good as he was his rookie year so that's kind of a disappointment honestly even though I'm not a Yankees fan and I generally root against them that kind of sucks for Aaron Judge at least in my opinion so like I said this is a tainted World Series win for Houston I mean Not only is that bad for the Astros, it's bad for any Houston fans in general, considering how Houston isn't really great 
at winning championships in any sports, that was a huge deal for the city of Houston to finally win something big. I mean, the Rockets have been kind of mediocre in the playoffs, as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, and they haven't found a way to get to the finals or at least consistently, let alone win the finals. And the Astros had such a star-studded young team, and they really kind of changed how, you know, baseball teams went about forming their teams, I suppose. I mean, just the young talent and how how well they did, including like George Springer, Jose Altuve, and other guys. And I mean, they've brought up even more talent from their farm system, along with guys they've drafted in recent years. And those guys have also carried the torch for the Astros, but now it's all tainted. I mean, this begs to differ. Does Houston still deserve that title? It's not like they can just give it to the Dodgers because that wouldn't be fair either. The Dodgers didn't exactly earn it. I mean, they definitely still lost, and you can't just hand a team a title because if it's not earned then it it's almost like out of pity in a sense but I know LA fans think they deserve that title and considering similar to Houston how the LA Dodgers find ways to get into the postseason nearly every year and then somehow fail hardcore It would have been huge for them to win that World Series. Who knows what that could have sparked for the Dodgers, whether um, they would have kept their GM or uh, their skipper and whether or not, you know, maybe turn things around for Kershaw because, let's be honest, Clayton Kershaw, uh, when it comes to the postseason, it's not his finest hour he somehow finds a way to struggle just about every time in the postseason. And yet, when he's healthy during the regular season, he's always up for the Cy Young Award, regardless of his age, because he's just a consistent ace on the mound. But when it comes to the postseason, it's almost the complete opposite. It's really indescribable. I'm not sure what happens, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. I know Dodgers fans wish they could figure that out, but they're hoping that this year's the year, as they always say. I mean, they just grabbed Mookie Betts in a a pretty blockbuster trade, um, considering the the offseason. But, yeah. Anyways... Back to what I was saying, this is a tainted win, and I don't quite understand how the Astros still deserve to hold this title. Maybe no no team ends up getting the full 2017 World Series champion title. There's several other instances in sports where if 
the team or a player even is found of cheating in some way, shape, or form, and that team achieves something like winning a championship, then that championship is nullified and that team gets punished for years to come. That player also gets punished. One particular instance, sticking with the whole LA theme, is USC when Reggie Bush played for the Trojans. Everybody knows what happens then happened then when he was accused of what he did and USC knew about it. So then the NCAA ended up stripping the Trojans of their title, taking away the Heisman from Reggie Bush, and then also putting a postseason or bowl ban on the Trojans. That seemed pretty harsh, to be honest, but if that happens in something as quote-unquote small as college football, why can't the same happen in Major League Baseball? I mean, there hasn't really been a precedent for this, but still, the, you know, both instances, there was a team found of cheating. Pretty clearly, somebody came out and exposed it. And in this case, Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, made his his judgment call. And a lot of people don't think it's good enough. And I'm kind of along, along those lines with those people that don't think it's harsh enough. Because, I mean, I don't think the Astros, for the most part, the players that were on that team are still on the Astros. So I don't think that Houston should have the ability to even make it to the postseason for, let's say, another couple seasons at least. And that could be a big turning point for them in their franchise, considering how their young players might then need to be... Um, get new contracts or contract extensions or they might become free agents otherwise so there could be ramifications that go down the line because of of what happened in the past but it's not like they can just take the title and hand it to another team because they didn't really earn it i mean it's tainted for sure, I'm sure fans feel the same way. They probably feel hurt. And it's even worse considering some of the Astros players are either declining to comment, which kind of makes sense, or they're just flat out um, saying it didn't happen. Like, people have been pointing out things ever since this came out like how Jose Altuve was wearing an undershirt for the seventh eighth and ninth innings against the Dodgers and he wasn't wearing one to start the game and there were players that you know yada 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 but since then other players have also come out some of them and and basically said yeah that's what happened but are they proud of it I mean no 
but I mean, still, it's it's a pretty sad look for the Houston Astros. Now, one thing I will also mention is I read Dusty Baker, the new skipper for the Astros, is concerned that his guys might get beamed a few times this year. And I'm not saying that they won't, but that's also kind of an extreme way of trying to get back at them because you can't undo the past. You can, it, life's all about actions and reactions. So to see how that event happened and then to see how other players respond to it is going to be pretty telling. I mean, some players are, are taking it, you know, not as aggressively. I know Chris Bryant said it was disgraceful for the Astros and for the league in general for that to have happened. But there are other players that said, yeah, I mean, the Astros deserve to get beamed with, with pitches. And I forget, I think it's Alex Wood was asked for the Dodgers if he would end up purposefully throwing balls at at Astros players and he said something along the lines of well yeah I mean I can't say that I'm gonna do it totally but if I were to do it it would basically be intentional I mean that's that's taking it a little too far it should be interesting whenever the Astros go on the road maybe even when they're at home just to see how the fan reaction is to it um the opposing players, opposing teams, opposing coaches, and how the MLB and Manfred will react when something does happen, such as Astros players getting hit with pitches. And I also read an article that said, well, you can't really determine if it's intentional nowadays there's kind of a gray area because sometimes the ball just slips out of the pitcher's hand sometimes they just can't maintain their control there are erratic pitchers in the league of course who throw like wild wild animals um so it's hard to determine whether or not uh some of these pitches might be considered intentional and they might end up you know, disciplining players for something they weren't trying to intentionally do, whereas for the guys who are doing it intentionally, they may not receive that discipline because the MLB has to put a fine microscope on any actions or reactions between any teams with the Houston Astros that the Houston Astros play this season. It's definitely going to be interesting, and I'm more so just curious about how Astros fans feel, to be honest. I know I recently talked to a Dodgers fan that just kind of brought up, like, oh, did you hear about what happened with the Astros? And they replied with, yeah, don't even get me started. So I didn't go down that rabbit hole. But feel free to... uh, 
leave your comments or thoughts on what you think about the whole Astros scandal. I'm curious to see what people have to say, and especially Astros fans. It's kind of hard to admit that your team didn't do anything wrong, but it's just interesting to see what other people's viewpoints are. I mean, this is mostly just my thoughts and opinions in addition to what I've read or seen from other people and gathered those uh, thoughts and opinions and kind of compiled that and taken that into consideration with my thoughts and opinions. But it should just be interesting to hear about from people of all different teams and such and even people who are non-sports fans. I know they know what happened and it, it would be interesting to get to get their take or perspective on it. So feel free to let me know your thoughts and I will be curious to see what everybody thinks. So I just wanted to briefly touch on the NBA All-Star game. I mean, this just recently occurred over the weekend and the All-Star festivities were leading up to that. There was some controversy Um, with the dunk contest between Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon. Um, I'm not entirely, I don't really have an opinion on who deserved to win more. What I do know is that Aaron Gordon basically said that he was robbed at least once, well, this year, and he's been robbed in past dunk contests, so he doesn't really see a reason to participate in the future. So that's kind of a lost, uh, you know, that's unfortunate that the future dunk contest won't have one of the most recent best dunkers, at least in the last five, six years, participate going forward. Sure, there's there might be guys like, Ja Morant or Zion Williamson or other guys who are just ridiculous around the rim. Gordon has been one of the more common names in recent years, and it'll be unfort it's going to be unfortunate not to see his name on the ballot most likely in the future. If I mean, I can see why he believes or why he thinks that way because why would you participate? If and give it your all if you just know you're most likely going to get snubbed anyways. To be fair, I did see the dunk that uh, Derek Jones Jr. threw down to win the competition, and it was pretty reminiscent of MJ, Michael Jordan's dunk at the United Center. Um, it wasn't quite from the free throw line, but it was pretty reminiscent of it. So that could have played a factor into it. But I guess congratulations, Derek Jones Jr. for winning it. And it's unfortunate that Gordon has been snubbed at least a couple of times. Now, just to uh, touch on the actual All-Star game, didn't really watch a ton of it. Um, I didn't, when it comes to All-Star games for sports, I don't, tend to watch them a lot because most of the time 
at least in the past years, it just kind of just seemed like a joke. I mean, not a whole lot of defense being played, a whole lot of dunks, so that's cool from guys like LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, um, etc. And, you know, just not a whole lot of defense. There's been some huge numbers put up in, in past All-Star games, and uh, at least in the NBA. But this year... This year was different because they did a lot to remember and honor Kobe Bryant. Um, I read that a lot of players like LeBron in particular mentioned that everyone was giving 100% and that's the way Kobe would have wanted it. And I totally agree with that. I totally think that that's so awesome because... um, like I just said, the All-Star game is kind of silly for the most part. Sure, it's putting up some of the best talent in the league against each other, but when there isn't a whole lot of defense being played, unless you like a whole lot of offense, and sometimes it's just sloppy offense, and even when there's not offense, there's attempted offense, and then it just makes it look even worse. It's not the best look for the NBA, but this was a this was a good year from what I from what I've read and and seen, um, and then to honor Kobe even more by at the end of the third quarter they took the team that was winning and they added twenty four points to that and whoever hit that first would win the All Star game. That ended up being um, Team LeBron uh, because Anthony Davis hit a couple of clutch free throws or at least one clutch free throw at the end of the game. Unfortunately, that is how the game ended because they did hit, I believe it was 147 was the total needed. They did hit that with free throws. So that's pretty anticlimactic considering how hardcore the uh the players were playing up until that point uh to see it end on a free throw is a little unfortunate but you know it it is uh an interesting um change in the game i guess it would be interesting to see if they implement that for future all-star games or if it's just in this case um and then there are other players that honored Kobe. Uh, I think it was Chris Middleton was wearing 24. There are some other players that were wearing Kobe's or they were sporting number twos or 24s or eights. All numbers that are associated with either Kobe Bryant or Gianna Bryant, um, his late daughter. But yeah, just a cool cool weekend in general um great look for the nba in general and it it's kind of like a an experimental playground almost when they want to see if certain rules could work in the actual nba i know that's kind of the benefit of having a g league is they do some weird things down there to see if that even makes sense to even try and implement it in the real NBA. But um, 
it would be interesting to see if any of those those uh, specific rules or different things they did for this All-Star game were implemented in, in the real NBA. Because I know, again, some players were saying, like, um, some of these these games aren't as important. They're just more, like, fun. But because it was in honor of Kobe, everybody gave 100%. They were playing to the end, et cetera, et cetera. So it's cool just to see players try at, on both offense and defense. And I think it was just, a, like I mentioned, it was just a great look for the NBA in general. So kudos to the NBA and also changing the All-Star MVP award to the Kobe Bryant All-Star MVP award, which is going to stick for future all-Star games, to, as to what I've read, or at least to my knowledge, that's the case. But overall, I mean, pretty cool, um, pretty cool All-Star week in general, and it's going to be exciting to see what the various teams do down the stretch as the NBA season starts to, the regular season starts to wind down with teams that, I mean, nobody's really mathematically eliminated yet, but there's a lot of teams that are very close together in the East and West. So it'll be interesting to see who makes a push, who falls off the map, maybe in tank mode. And, you know, playoffs are going to be right around the corner. But uh, overall, just a great all-star game in a great venue at the United Center. Uh, the Chicago Chicago Bulls haven't really done much this season, so um, it was just cool to see some of the best players in the league all conglomerate into the United Center and, and play in one of the historic venues of the NBA. And now time for a regular segment the state of Iowa address, starting with the Iowa Hawkeyes. For anyone who's a fan of Iowa collegiate sports, the Hawkeyes have fit the bill this season. They've had a lot of ups, but also some unexpected downs throughout the year. I've seen fans complain about being sick and tired of seeing the Hawks put together a strong season then collapse late. After all, doesn't always matter how you start, it's how you finish. Iowa took one on the chin last week when they lost at Indiana. Granted, it's one of the greatest basketball venues in America, and the Hoosiers are supposed to have some home court advantage, but they were 5-8 and eight in the conference compared to Iowa at 8-5. and five. The Hawkeyes stayed on the road and needed a late couple of buckets to beat a very pesky Golden Gophers squad who dropped to 500 on the season at 12-12. Twelve and twelve. Minnesota had a great season going to begin the season, and they were slotted to make the NCAA tournament and I believe that there's still a chance they could make it in, which is just 
crazy considering that they're only at 500. It, it doesn't seem right that they could make it in, but that's just how good the Big Ten is, and, and even the bad teams are good this year. Had the Hawks lost that game, though, there's a strong chance they wouldn't still be ranked, currently sitting at number 20 in the AP poll. Iowa, Iowa returns home for a top 25 matchup against Ohio State on Thursday, which will be televised on ESPN. Turning to Iowa State, I mean, this is a little selfish, I will admit, but the whole reason I delayed this pod was with the hope the Cyclones could pull off a miracle. It's already a David versus Goliath scenario when any team plays at Fall Gallon Fieldhouse. But with the season the Cyclones have had, this would have been monumental. For much of the game, Iowa State actually hung around and kept that threat alive. Kansas ended up pulling away per usual, though, and put away ISU by 20 points by a score of 91-71. to That wasn't too surprising of a loss, but it did come on the heels of the Cyclones' biggest win over Texas in series history with an 81-52 smacking. Granted, Texas wasn't fully healthy, but a win is a win, especially at Hilton, and especially considering the season the Cyclones have had. Iowa State will be without Tyrese Halliburton for the remainder of the year after he fractured his wrist over a week ago. And yes, that means that Iowa State throttled the Longhorns without Halliburton. For those of you who don't know who he is, I'd suggest Googling him. Right now, he's projected to be one of the best players um, going into the NBA draft this year. He's only a sophomore, so part of me is hoping he stays another year, but considering he's had a couple of wrist issues this season, maybe it's for the best that he he uh, takes his chances after this season and just goes to the NBA. The schedule won't get any easier as ISU does return home to play Texas Tech on Saturday. Now, those two teams, the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones, have truly been opposites this year. But one team that's been consistent through and through for the most part has been the UNI Panthers. However, for as good as UNI has been this season, it's safe to say they let one slip through their fingers this past week. I'm not saying I'm surprised because even great teams lose. I mean, look at all the upset the upsets this year across the whole landscape of college basketball. All the one seeds that have lost. I'm not saying you and I is a one seed by any means cuz that would just be dumb. But you and I has been having a great season and even great teams lose. 
That's the point I'm getting across. Not only that, but you and I was playing on the road against one of the better teams in the conference in Loyola of Chicago. And for those of you who don't know about Loyola, the Ramblers, just look at their magical run last year and sister Jean in the NCAA tournament. They were shocking teams left and right. It was insane. I mean, it was cool because they were repping the MVC, Missouri Valley Conference, um, and mid-major teams in general. But selfishly, I'd rather see you and I do it. During said game, the announcers mentioned the announcers mentioned the top eight teams in the conference had combined for a 92 and 13 home record as of that point in the season. That's an 88% of winning if those teams are at home. That's just nuts. You and I as the lone team who has an unblemished home record at 14 and 0 with Bradley, Drake, and Indiana State not far behind, suffering just one home loss each. The Panthers could have definitely padded their lead with a big win, but instead they saw that their lead shrink to a single game over Loyola Chicago with Southern Illinois right in in the rearview mirror at two games back. You and I has to bring it their last four regular season games and not stumble again. Otherwise, this dominant season of theirs could all be for naught when it comes to tournament time. Because unfortunately, even though uh, you and I has eclipsed that 20 win mark, which is usually like a no-brainer to get into the NCAA tournament, because they're a mid-major school, they basically have to either win their conference or win their conference title. And sometimes winning the conference during the regular season isn't enough because it's pretty rare that two teams from the Missouri Valley Conference even make it in. So this could all be for naught, and that would just be sad. They play at Indiana State, like I mentioned, one of the better teams with a home record, and then host Southern Illinois this week. Those would be some huge wins, considering it's not easy to win at Indiana State, and then to play the Salukis, who have been pretty hot this season, and are just two games back, that would be a crucial win. Lastly, we'll look at Drake. After getting smacked silly by Missouri State, the Bulldogs managed to come together just enough to beat out Evansville 85-80. to As I already mentioned, Drake has only lost once at home this season, and playing Evansville, the worst team in the MVC, should have almost been a cakewalk. Drake has not been the strongest team as of late, but as long as they find ways to win, it's all that truly matters this, at this point. Right now, they're just trying to help their seeding for Arch Madness next month. Granted, Drake has a very small chance, but a chance nonetheless, of winning the conference. I mean, they're four games back with four games left to play. 
including one against you and I. But, realistically, they just want to string some wins together and move up in the standings. The Bulldogs host Valparaiso, then head to Illinois State this week. Now, you've heard me mention good looks and bad looks several times on this podcast, and it's pretty obvious that the recent game between the Colorado Avalanche and LA Kings as part of the stadium series for the NHL was a bad look for both the NHL and the Avalanche in particular. If you don't know what I'm talking about, because maybe you're not a hockey fan or maybe you just don't follow the Avs in general, I don't necessarily blame you. I mean, I live in Colorado, so I kind of hear about this stuff anyways. But this is what I heard, at least, or what I read. So the Colorado Avalanche were hosting the LA Kings for uh, one of the games in the stadium series like tour thing that the NHL has kind of implemented in recent years. And I'm all for it. I mean, it's pretty cool to see hockey played outside, especially in Colorado, like where there's actual snow outside and it's actually cold. Kind of cool. I mean, some places doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's warm and sunny. It's kind of a weird uh, weird balance or a contrast, if you will. But it makes sense in Colorado. I mean, why not just play more games outside, honestly? But that's why they have the Pepsi Center, so can't really take that away from them. Anyways, not only was it a bad loss for the Avs, considering they're 33-18-6 now, Compared to LA at 21, 33, and 5. Um, it was also just a, a freaking nightmare for Avs fans in general. Because from what I read, like this game was played at Falcon Stadium, so where Air Force football plays. So not only is it a smaller venue, like I was under the impression it was going to be at Coors Field, downtown Denver kind of makes sense i mean it's a big venue it would be chaotic regardless trying to get to it but it was just as bad trying to get to falcon stadium there were fans who made the trek just from areas near denver um it it said that it would normally take you like an hour to get to falcon stadium it took them four hours I cannot imagine being in a car that long, just sitting there with that much anticipation and being stuck in a line of cars, not being able to do anything about it, um, just hoping that you're going to make it there in time to see some of the game. Going off of that, a lot of fans, or at least some of them, didn't even make it until the second intermission. Now that's just ridiculous. And... Sam Hunt was performing at some point, I think during the first intermission. I read that um, one of the fans who just bought their tickets or had got their tickets got it specifically to see Sam Hunt, but they didn't even get to see him perform because they came in the middle of the second intermission. So the fans, some of the fans 
that got there missed two-thirds of the game. I mean, come on. What are you doing, NHL? And for that matter, the Avalanche. Like, I don't know necessarily who was in charge of parking or the logistics of it, but they didn't really do their research. Maybe they were just overwhelmed. Maybe they weren't expecting that many people. I don't know. But considering it's the Avalanche, fans here in Colorado go nuts for them. And especially because they're doing well and there's probably or should be a cup in the near future as in the next five years or less. Uh, I can't really blame them. But, I mean, the Avs have also been kind of on a slide recently. Uh, looks like they lost tonight in overtime. So they've lost three straight games. They lost a heartbreaker with a late goal. Uh, against the Capitals, that was at home in Denver. Then they lost against the Kings, team they shouldn't have lost to, by two goals. And they lost to the Lightning tonight in overtime, also at home. So that's kind of unfortunate. I mean, three home losses in a row uh, as well. But yeah, uh, another thing I also read regarding the stadium series is that one of the fans just said, you know, like he took his losses basically and he tracked it. He walked for the better part of an hour to get to the stadium because he figured it's not worth waiting in this line. It's going to be hectic just to leave. Like it's when you park at, at like, uh, a theme park or something you try and park as almost as far away as possible from it because it's a lot easier to get out then because you're near the exit that's how i view it at least and maybe that's how he saw it too but still just crazy i mean people were have been requesting that they get refunded by the nhl and the avalanche and maybe they'll just get like a free game ticket or a game uh, to a game yet this season. I know that the number of home games are dwindling for the season for the Avalanche, and certainly I don't know if it was that big of an issue to warrant like a free playoff game, but that could work too, I, I would imagine. But, I mean, just a bad look in general for the Avs and for the NHL. And I don't know if I've really ever heard of any of the other areas where they've done the stadium series, like, have this type of issue. There may have been some issues otherwise. I don't know. I think one of the games at one point, it wasn't this year, but in recent past was played in California. And that just doesn't really make a ton of sense because California is, like, naturally warm. And it was played outside. And I think there was uh, comments or something about ice melting. And then that's just dangerous for the players. I mean, the fans love it because it's, you know, pretty nice day. And you're watching hockey. Like, come on. Can't really beat that. But for the players, not so safe. I'm not saying that the stadium series is bad by any means because it's cool. Because they get to play outside in these giant venues like baseball stadiums or football stadiums. 
but maybe it would have made a little more sense to uh, play at Coors Field as opposed to Falcon Stadium. You know, it's in the past now. Not a whole lot you can do about it. You just got to learn from it. And we'll see if they even attempt another game in the stadium series here anytime soon. Well, that's it for this edition of Burvey Sports Block. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you all had a great day. Have a great rest of your week. Again, kind of sorry at least about putting this out a little late. I know it kind of throws off the schedule a little bit, but better late than never, at least in my opinion. Um, So I hope you all had a great start to your week, and I hope you all have a great rest of your week and a great weekend. Uh, At least here, the weather's kind of starting to turn positive. So, you know, more more time to do stuff outside, hopefully, and enjoy being outside. Um, But yeah, the world of sports is about to get really fun in the next few weeks with, you know, the NCAA tournament coming up, uh, NCAA basketball, regular season winding down, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Golf is back in full swing. NASCAR just uh, got started again with the Daytona 500 over the weekend for anyone that follows that. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, baseball is right around the corner. Again, with the whole Astros thing, it's going to be an interesting aspect. But if there's anything that you want to leave comments on or your thoughts, feel free. Um, Also, let me know how I've how I've done so far. Feedback's the only way, preferably constructive criticism, but it's the only way I'm going to get better, honestly, in the long run. And it's better for me and better for you as a listener because then it, it's more interesting to listen to. But again, until next time, I hope you all have a great day. And yeah, enjoy, enjoy the week and whoever you're rooting for. I'll catch you next Monday.